How's everybody doing? Let's all stand together as our campuses join together and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us, as well as our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point this morning, and those who watch us on television in Wisconsin here and on the World Wide Web. We are doing a series, beginning a series, that'll take us a good three to four weeks, so we won't get to it all today, about sex and marriage. And uh, if we've been announcing it and talking it up, if you were not aware of that's what we are going to be talking about, uh, brace yourself, all right? So, um, <laughs> although, you know, if you got little ones, we do have age-appropriate classes uh, for them, although I have no problem with being here. This is not a how-to series. <laughs> They get done. They're still not going to know how to, you know. But some people, especially Christians, are so paranoid about this message. I don't understand it. 2016, and we still have Christians who are scared to death of this. You know, America is the only country in the world, largest Christian country in the world, that refuses. And I don't have a single Christian radio station or TV station that will play any of my programs. Overseas, I'm a hit. In Africa, I got like the top-rated show. I'm like a rock star in Africa, man. How y'all doing? Good to see you. I mean, they're coming up and shaking hands and autographs. A little odd in the restroom when a guy goes, are you Mark Gunger? I mean, that's a little strange. <clears throat> Let's talk outside. But, uh, but uh, you know, still so pure. I don't understand it. What the heck is the problem? Now, as I said last week, we were all raised in an agrarian society. Used to be. Everybody was raised on farms, and from the time kids were two years old, he saw cows doing it, pigs doing it, frogs doing it, lizards doing it. I mean, it wasn't a big mystery. A dairy farm has nothing but a brothel for cows, you know? <laughs> I mean, they keep everybody pregnant and getting milk and stuff. So kids, they always knew this stuff. As soon as we got away from that, got into cities, everybody was all paranoid, and just, they treat sex like it's a dirty word. I was on a Christian radio show, and I'm getting ready for the interview, and the clock's clicking down, you know, as we're getting to go live, you can't back up. The lady says, now you're not going to use the S word, are you? And I'm thinking, S-H-I, I'm the what? Why would I say that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it hits me, she meant sex. You can't say the word sex. And I just think, Christian broadcasters, I think, are just as guilty as sin about this. They are not serving the kingdom of God well. And I say this as a rebuke to all of them. You know what they all say? You'll hear this. Listen to the local Christian radio says, nice people, God bless them. But they always announce, safe for the entire family. <laughs> safe for the, in you know what they're saying is we never mention sex. Now, I think it's going to be safe so they're not hearing bad things about sex. 
But when you remove it completely, I think you're not serving people well. Goodness gracious, because the world's given out all kinds of terrible information when we have the right information. So anyway, if you're uncomfortable with this subject, you got kids, you're uncomfortable with this subject. If you want to take a minute and take them to their class, or even if you want to leave early, it's okay. We'll give you credit. <laughs> we'll tell God you went to church. So, uh, so let's start the music and give them a time to uh, leave. judgments, no condemnation. You know, I'm serious. Just get up and walk out. We'll love you. We'll tell God you were here for the whole thing. All right. It's a 34 second song. You got 34 seconds. All your campuses out there, everybody clear out. Boom, boom. All right. You're here. Here we go. 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the, the Corinthians church. And uh, we've been doing this on Wednesday night. We have these great Bible studies on Wednesday night. You really ought to come. But we really go through the Bible in detail. And uh, what I enjoy about 1 Corinthians is very encouraging to me as a pastor. Because oftentimes, we feel like such failures, and we're not doing it right, and people aren't getting this, and we think, what's wrong with us? And then you read first, because we're always saying, you know, why can't we be like the early church, right? Everybody always says that. Why can't we be like the early church? But read 1 Corinthians. The early church was a complete disaster. These people who are experiencing miracles and stuff, he's writing in 1 Corinthians. They're fighting with each other. They're taking each other to court and suing each other. There's sexual immorality. Uh, they're having sex with prostitutes. Um, you know, when they get together for the Lord's Supper, they're turning it into a big potluck in a party, getting drunk. Come on Wednesday night, we'll go through the whole thing. I mean, he's yelling at them. In, in fact, you, the Lord's Supper was actually a supper. Jesus sat with his disciples. He didn't hand them a little wafer and a little plastic cup. All right? And when Christians did communion in the early days, it was like a little mini meal. And they would get together and they would eat together and they would do this reverently. Of course, back then they'd have church all day long, you know. Uh, but then the Corinthians came along and they're partying. And he's literally writing, you guys are getting drunk. During the, so... The reason why you get a little wafer and a little cup today, it's their fault. Because <laughs> since then, then the church stopped it and said, okay, we're just giving you the minimum. Well, nobody can party on this uh, because it was a problem. So they were totally jacked up. And uh, one of the problems they were having was just flat out with sexual immorality, the same kind of problems we have today. This is nothing new. You know, uh, Solomon wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. Now, there's new versions of the same old nonsense, but it's always the same old nonsense. And Paul was writing to them and trying to get them to behave themselves when he's writing about the whole prostitutes. That's when he writes this famous verse about your body. You know, a lot of people, you know, especially you girls who are into health foods, you know, eat bird seed and fried squirrel brains and all that kind of stuff, you know, so... And, and one of the things that people, real Christians who are into the health stuff, will quote this verse from Corinthians. It says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that's why you should eat bird seed and stuff like that. Whatever. But that's not the context. When he said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, he's trying to reason with them to quit going to see prostitutes. That was the context. It wasn't Shackley vitamins or whatever. All right? So... He writes 
talking all these issues. And so finally, in this part of the letter he's writing, he writes these words. But since sexual immorality is occurring, we need an answer. We need an answer, right? Each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, each woman with her own husband. They were having immorality problems. What are we going to do about immorality? Now, before we can answer that question, we need to answer the question, why is it a problem in the first place? Why is immorality a problem at all? Because we have a lot of, certainly in our secular culture, outside the church, they don't think there's an immorality problem. They think it's fine. They think it's great. Everybody having sex with 40 different people, who cares? You even got cycles who say stuff to young people like, yeah, you ought to have sex with as many people as you can ahead of time so you can get good at it. First of all, we're not talking about playing the violin here. <laughs> it's not that complicated. In fact, some of the dumbest people in the world have figured this out. It's, it's pretty straightforward. You don't need to practice with anybody to get good at it, okay? You just find one and get good at it with them. But they don't have a problem with immorality. About the only version of immorality that our secular culture has held onto is adultery. They don't like it. Sex before marriage, sex with cows, chickens, frogs, they don't care. I mean, anything goes today. I'm serious, literally. Uh, and it doesn't matter, but if you're cheating on your spouse, the world still kind of doesn't like that, although they're trying to knock that down as well. Okay, so it's, to them, it's not a problem. From a Christian viewpoint, it is a problem. And then we, as people of faith, try to talk to each other why it's a problem. Now, there's the basic, you know, fundamental truths, like, you know, uh, the damage that you get from being sexually active with so many people. You know, sex is supposed to be like a really strong piece of packing tape that holds stuff together. You ever mess with packing tape? Man, if it sticks, you can't get it apart. Ugh, you know, and it's just sticking. So it really holds really, really well. But you put it on and you rip it off. You can put it back on. It still sticks pretty good. You rip it off. And every time you do it, it starts losing its stickiness. And it's no wonder so many people, by the time they get married, have a hard time sticking together. They have pulled that tape on and off on so many situations. It makes it Difficult. It's not the end of the world. You can still move on and we'll help. And if you come to my marriage seminar at the end of the month, we'll show you how to make this work no matter what your background is. But you got to admit, it's a problem. You got basic common sense problems like sexually transmitted diseases. And it's stunning to me that in our country, we spend countless billions of dollars a year trying to find cures for diseases that would not exist if people would just keep their pants on. And it's costing us a fortune. It's, I mean, it's out of control. It's, I mean, and everybody's just upset. Ah, we've got to find this problem. And no one ever says, you know, how about don't act like a cat in heat. But no, you know, we've got we to gotta find cures. And you've got to do this. You've got to do that. And blah, 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 blah. You've got, uh, you know, they've got these TV commercials today. You know, they've got TV commercials now for sexually transmitted disease symptoms. When you advertise on TV for that, that means so many people have it, it makes sense to advertise on television. Because it's really expensive to advertise on television. I mean, that's how many people are struggling today with some version of sexually transmitted diseases. It's stunning the millions and millions of people that are having this problem. Didn't need to happen, but they have it. 
Uh, you got unplanned pregnancies. You got all these things. I mean, there's all kinds of statistical health and psychological reasons why you shouldn't do it. But that's not the main reason. The main reason for a person of faith is because God says don't do it. That should be the only thing that matters. I remember one time we had a lady here and she was speaking and we had question and answer period later and she's using all these statistics on why it's bad. And I said, really, you're kind of missing the point. It shouldn't matter if the statistics are bad. God says don't do it. That should be enough for us. It really should be. I don't care if statistics, now this is not true, but I don't care if statistically it's better for you to have sex with 20 people by the time you're 21. And if you have sex with 20 different people by the time you're 21, you will live to 130 and make $750,000 a year. If that were true, and it is not, but if it were true and all the science says this is the best thing you could possibly do, you still should not do it. Because we line our lives up according to God. That's the main reason. Now, the statistics are absolutely the opposite. It's a disaster that people are having in their lives at so many levels by being sexually promiscuous. But that's not the main reason. We want to please God. And why? Because at some point, everybody wants God to bless their life. Everybody at some point needs God to be with them and be on their side and help them. Everybody needs to get to a place of faith where they can trust God to deal with life because life is hard. Somebody say amen. The saddest thing I find are people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s plus who are facing some traumatic situation in their life. And this is the first time they've ever had to really trust God for anything. Some of you listening right now, Appleton, Stevens Point, here. That's really your life. You've never really had any encounters and never really had to trust God for much anything. And and then when it hits the fan, boy, you collapse like a deck of cards. That's sad. You need to start experiencing God now. Our young people need to start experiencing God now, even in the small things. So when you get to the bigger things, you can, faith is like a muscle. The more you use it, the bigger it gets, okay? If you're going to lift weights, you don't start out bench pressing 500 pounds. In my case, you start with five, all right? <laughs> Work your way up. I get to 10 and I quit. Uh, Uh, But that's the main reason. Now, the question is, why were these people being sexually immoral? And even knowing what they know, why were they doing it? And the the same today, why do so many of our people, why do so many of your kids, why, why do we struggle with this? And the reason is, is because the urge to merge is very powerful. It is. It's very sad. Well, I don't feel that. Then good. Stay single. Seriously, if you're not interested in having sex, for the love of God, stay single. Amen. Amen. Preach it. (laughs) And we're going to talk about this next week. I'm just laying the foundation. It doesn't really get good till next week. All right. So, yeah. It's like the preview reel. All right. And we're going to really get into that next week. But that's the main reason, because every, most people, not everybody, there are a lot of people that don't have this urge. In that case, seriously, stay single. The purpose for marriage, the Bible teaches, is for sex. Some people, in the world, that's absurd. People are, well, what are you saying? You should get married for sex? Ha, ha, ha. Yeah. That's what the Bible teaches. 
marriage has always been fundamentally a sexual contract. When you say I do, it means I do you, you do me, and we don't do anybody else. That's what the I do means. And if you ain't doing, you ain't doing this right, which we'll talk about next week. So I, I just want to get married for your companionship. Get a cat. Seriously, get a cat. Be one of these cat ladies. You know, you're 78 years old. You got 50 cats in the house. Do that. If you're not interested in sex, don't get married. Stop. I know you're all laughing. I'm telling you, you have no idea how many people do this. They don't want to have sex. They're not interested in sex, and they get married anyway. And I'm going to be really yelling about it next week. He's an angry elf. I am an angry. I get mad. All right, stay focused, Gunger, for heaven's sakes. So what is the Bible's answer? People want to have sex. So the answer in the Bible for this need and desire for sex is this. Have sex. I love this answer. It's a good answer. You want to have sex? Have sex. But do it right. Get a wife. Get a husband and have all the sex you can handle. All right? Now, the Christian community has really failed miserably in this matter. Because, number one, we don't want to acknowledge people actually want to have sex. Oh, we're too spiritual for this nonsense. You know? And quite frankly, despite all the brave sincerity we profess about marriage, and by brave sincerity, I mean BS. Because a lot of it, even though it sounds so spiritual on all the Christian radio stations, just BS. We talk about marriage and such floaty things. Oh, it's about prayer partners. No. I can pray with anybody. I can fellowship with anybody. I can only get naked with one. It's true. Don't look at her. It's not her fault. All right. Uh, what was she thinking? All right, so. Besides all the brave, sincere, oh, we're so pro-marriage. Oh, we're so pro-marriage. And I'm telling you, I think it's BS because when it really comes down to marriage, we don't believe it. Because when it comes to our young people getting married, we treat marriage like it's some kind of a disease or a sickness. We treat it like it's jumping out of an airplane. Are you sure you want to jump out of an airplane? It can be dangerous to jump out of an airplane. You really need to make sure the parachute sign is like, you know, because if you're not right. <laughs> By the way, I just got an invitation from special forces units in Fort Bragg. Special forces units love me because I'm clearly I'm a manly man. All right. And we just got a call recently from special forces. One of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten. This guy, leader of special forces units, says, I want you to know something. We have the best men in the world. They're the most highly trained men in the world, and they are the most equipped men with the best training you can find anywhere in the world. And we use material by Mark Gunger. Whoa! <laughs> Clearly don't know what a girly man I am. But anyway, <laughs> so they sent an invitation. They want me to jump out of an airplane with them this summer. 
They do. Yeah, woohoo my foot. <laughs> so you going to do it? I don't think so. <laughs> now, when I was younger, I was really stupid. Because when you're young, you're really stupid. And, I, you know, nothing's ever going to happen to you when you're young, right? I would have done it in a heartbeat. At this age, jumping out of an airplane, man, I'm not so sure about leaving the house. But if I jump out, I'm going to be nervous, man, because everything's got to be right. Just, ah, what if something goes wrong? That's the way we treat marriage. And it's a shame and it's a crime. And we shouldn't be doing it. We put out all this BS about, oh, we're so pro-marriage, and we turn around and tell our kids, oh, don't get married. Oh, we got to be careful. Oh, wait, 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 wait. And as a result, we have sexual immorality that creates all the problems that we have to fix later. Now, you guys know, if you've been coming to my church very long, you know I'm very pro-young marriage. Now, I'm not saying you have to get married young. You don't ever have to get married. You may not find somebody until you're 93. I don't care. But when you're young people, you find somebody that you want to be with, you've been dating for a year or two, and you want to be with them, just marry them. All this nonsense, wait, delay, delay, delay. Is this marriage is some kind of disease because all they're going to do is wind up being sexually immoral. What do you think they're doing? Some of you parents, honestly, you can't possibly be this dumb and still breathe. <laughs> They're with that one person by themselves over and over for a year, two years. And what do you think they're doing? Well, they're just praying or something. Yeah, I'm sure that's what they're doing. <laughs> I was at a conference once. This pastor is telling me about his family. Shows me his picture of his daughter, 16 year old. Holy cow, was she gorgeous. Like, <laughs> wow. I said, man, you should have brought her to the conference. Oh, we thought about that. He says, but, you know, she's doing homework with her, with her boyfriend. I said, what? So, oh, yeah, they, they, they go in their room all day long with the door closed, and they're doing their homework and stuff. And I'm thinking, I mean, I'm looking at him and smiling. I'm thinking, how can you be so dumb and still breathe? What an idiot. Their doors closed all day long. And they're convinced they're studying. They're studying all right. Biology is what they're studying. <laughs> How can you be so dumb? What do you think they're doing? Honestly. And these parents later find, oh, my kids are having sex. I'm so upset. They come to me, oh, Pastor, I'm so upset. What do you think they're doing? You let them stay in their rooms by themselves with the door closed for hours at a time. I know parents who their kids are in a room by themselves watching a movie with their boyfriend or girlfriend, and then they knock before they enter. You're a moron. <laughs> I, that's not an insult, because if you're not a moron and I say you're a moron, that's an insult. You really are a moron. What do you think? Man, we never let our kids, let Brent, anybody of the opposite sex into their bedrooms. Ever. Amen. Ever. What are you thinking? And these teenagers, well, it's my bedroom. <laughs> You're so dumb. Good Lord. It ain't your bedroom. You pay for it. I tell our kids, I don't care if you're on fire. If you're on fire and the only one who can save you is someone of the opposite sex, you're going to die.
<laughs> talking to a lady <laughs> between services. She says, I got to tell you, my parents so drilled that into us that even today, I got three children. I'm 40 years old. When I go to my parents' house, I won't sleep in the same bedroom with my husband. <laughs> and I think, now, that's a little crazy. If I'm your husband, we would never visit your parents. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I ain't going over there. What are you talking about? Goodness gracious. So we have the problem. We don't want to use what the Bible says. The Bible says they should get married. We don't, oh, no, we're, we're despite all our BS, no, no, no. We don't really want to get married because we fear marriage. We believe like the secular world that marriage is bad for you. By the way, you never withhold from your kids something that's good for them. Do you? If it's good for them, you can't wait for them to have it, Right? really kind of show you what you really think about marriage. And by the way, most of this stuff about marriage that you hear is a big, fat, stinking lie. Every study ever done about marriage says it is the most healthy, positive thing a young person can do, or anybody can do. University of Chicago did a big study. Who cares what they think, but I'm telling you anyway. Big study about marriage. They said married people are healthier. They are happier. They make more money. You can take a... They, they would take a... Uh, Single person, same age, same race, same education, and mark it up against another person, the same demographics, everything, and the married person always made more money, generally speaking, than the single person. They're just more productive. And they literally live years longer than people who are not married. It's just a fact. In fact, they say one of the most dangerous things a man can do in America is to remain single. They say it's the equivalent of smoking two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. I guess the worst thing is a single guy who smokes two and a half packs of cigarettes a day. <laughs> it's a positive, good, wonderful thing that will help stabilize their lives. Oh, the divorce rate is 50%. It's not. And you single people, quit listening to this nonsense. This is a statistic that has been repeated over and over and over again in America that is a lie. They keep saying it over and over again, and if you say something long enough, everybody thinks it's the truth. It is not the truth. It is a big, fat, stinking lie. It's not, particularly for first-time marriages. Generally speaking, first-time marriages have about a 20% divorce rate. And for those who come from good homes and go on to college, it's 15%. We're not even throwing Christians into this mix yet. This idea, the only reason why the divorce rate seems so high is because multiple offenders keep getting into the pool. <laughs> they do. They get divorced, get married again, get divorced, get married again, get divorced, get married. So this high divorce rate, oh, marriages have, no, 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 it's because these people. But first, this thing of this is going to be bad and suck the life out of you is ridiculous. People say, well, what about college? You got to wait for college. Says who? Listen, if you want to wait for college, fine, but they shouldn't be dating. You single people, you don't want to get married to after God, then don't be dating. But you spend time with somebody for a year or two, I promise you, it's a law of life. You spend enough time with somebody of the opposite sex, you will want to get naked. <laughs> Amen. Again, what are you, what are you thinking? What are, the, what are you people dating? What do you think is going to happen? Dating for years, for heaven's sakes. And all you do is you put bad habits into place that you will have a difficult time trying to fix later. Oh, well, we can't do that. No, the church, oh, we're so pro-marriage. But no, we don't really believe in marriage, so we got to find something else. we got a morality problem, so let's come up with something. The promise rings. Let's have promise rings. 
Really, it shows the people that do the promise rings have the same immorality rate as those who never even go to church. It obviously doesn't work because that's not the answer. God never meant for you to sit around and make some big deal out of a promise ring saying, I'll stay single for however long. We have wonderful phrases like, you know, love can wait. True love can wait. True love. True love. Princess Bride, you got to see this movie. True love can wait. Now, I get what they mean at a certain level that true love can wait, particularly somebody who needs to have sex right now. Okay, you're dating Elvis Presley. And he starts singing you to you. It's now or never. Come hold me tight. Kiss me, my darling. Be mine tonight. Tomorrow will be too late. It's now or never, my love can't wait. He'll do anything for applause line, I'll tell you. What kind of song is that? I need to get laid right now or I'm going to die. What is that? People dance to this song. They're the dumbest things. What was that Hank Williams song? Uh, Please release me. Please release me. Let me go. I don't love you anymore. Why are you dancing to this song? Are you hearing? I hate your guts. I want to get rid of you. You want to dance? Oh, I love this song. I don't love you anymore. What the heck is that? I'm all for true love can wait, but you know how long it can wait? Long enough for you to ask the girl to marry you, set up a date, and marry the girl. But you know what they're doing? When they say true love can wait, they're meaning wait for years. Christians. You know, focus on the family. God bless I like these guys. They let me on like once every three years. Apparently, I can only be stomached in small doses. One year, I got an award for the highest rating program of the year. They still only let me on like once every three years. And they'd have these things celebrating these people who've waited, 30-year-old virgins and stuff like that. And I just want to punch somebody in the face. <laughs> we shouldn't be celebrating that stuff. Everything. What's the matter with this person? Goodness gracious. Yeah, love, true love can wait. Yeah? And then we're full of sexual immorality and we have all these problems. So we come up with these ridiculous phrases. Then we say, well, you know, there's a church that says, well, they're going to have sex anyway. And I've had Christian women tell me, Christian moms, the wonderful ladies in the churches say to me, you know, I'd rather my kids have sex than get married too young. Really? Because they've lost their minds. Because getting married is like jumping out of an airplane. Oh, it's a terrible thing. It's a hard thing. It's going to be awful. We talk so much about marriage, but we act like it's a disease. We're hypocrites. We're phonies. I'm not saying you have to get married young. You don't ever have to get married. It might take you to your 93 to find somebody. That's fine. But you fall in love with somebody, you want to be with somebody, you've been dating for a year or two, you need to marry the person. 
That's why you shouldn't be dating seriously until you're about 17, 18 years of age. When your kids date at 14, what are y'all thinking? Then we got the other answer. Well, and the church has done this for years, porn. Porn and self-gratification, you do the math. You know, I, well, you know they got to do it. Young men have to do it or they'll explode. <laughs> First of all, they will not explode. And I have railed against this asinine behavior for 20 years. I've been like a lone voice on this thing. When at first I thought it was insane. When at first I thought, what is this? This is insane. This is going to ruin people's sex life. They, oh, they'd laugh at me. I pray preacher friends. Some of them you know by name. Oh, come on. There's nothing wrong with that. Really? Now, 20 years later, now we see the result. We see the plague. We see the broken marriages, the disaster. Check out this recent issue of, porn, of Time magazine, Porn. Why young men who grew up with porn are becoming the advocates for turning it off. You know what they're finding out? These boys who start doing porn when they're 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, by the time they're actually with a woman, nothing works. They're writing, this is not a Christian magazine. Oh, no. <laughs> they're complaining because they can't have sex after looking at so much porn. They get around real women and nothing works. Instead of... It's more like... Isn't it sad that you've got pagan unbelievers who are more against porn than a lot of Christians? And the number of people, I'm telling you, this porn thing destroys people's lives. You guys who do this stuff, what, what the heck? The, du the direct connection between porn and erectile dysfunction is stunning. The direct cause between porn and uh, uh, all these, low testosterone. You see all these low T commercials on TV? You got low T? Now, not everybody who has low T is because they're into porn. But there is a direct correlation going on. And it's one of the reasons it is spiking so much. Porn will suck the life out of you. It will turn you away from being a man into something else, an artificial man. It is not something you want to do and nothing you ever want to encourage your children to do. But the church, well, they got to do something because they're 28. They, we don't want to get married too young, so they got to do something. And we create these disasters that don't need to happen. And here's the version. We, for some guys, we're creating eunuchs. You know what a eunuch is, right? So they cut off their, all right. <laughs> they don't do that anymore, but in the old days, they used to make men into eunuchs so that they could hang around the girls and take care of the girls. You didn't have to worry about them because they were a threat to nobody. They were, all right. But we've got like our own version of eunuchs today. We've got young men that we have told that they do what we did tell them. They don't fail. And for 30, 40 years, they, not, this doesn't happen to everybody. I'm saying there's a percentage of them that it is happening to. I'm running into it. Where they, for all these years, they told their body, no, 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 no. And they finally get married, and the wives tell me, I just about have to rape him to have sex. Why? Because he's not interested. He shut it down. It's like we created a eunuch of some version, which is why I say, you're not interested in sex, don't get married. Don't make some woman miserable because you're not interested. Get a dog. Anyway, all these problems. 
The Bible says the answer for this immorality that is destroying our nation and destroying people's lives, the answer, get a wife and have sex with her. Get a husband and have sex with him. That's why we are pro-marriage here. You don't have to get married young, but when you, whenever age it is, you find somebody you want to be with, be with them, marry them, and we will stop all this bad behavior. I don't care what the world does. They're waiting forever to get married because they're having sex with everybody they're running to anyway. What do you think they're doing on spring break? Reading Bibles? They're getting drunk and doing God knows what. But for us, it should not be this way. We should look different. We need to act different. The main reason for marriage in the first place is to silence this big need in most people to have sex. Next week, I am going to be speaking on why married couples are supposed to be having sex and as much as conceivably possible. Amen. 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 See you next week. <laughs>